be said. Amen. Amen. Thank you for leading us in worship. Thank you all for joining in worship. Thank you for joining us online. We're so grateful for God and all that he does for us. If you did not pick up a communion cup on your way in, please make sure you do that. If you desire to participate with us, we'll be doing that at the end of the service together as we celebrate today, this amazing Sunday of what God has planned for us. Very excited about that as we were singing together. I was thinking as we sang the song, They Make Giants Fall, that I don't know, you guys, maybe uh, you're ready to throw some stones? Yeah. You know, the enemy just has a big mouth. That's what Goliath had, and a lot of people were scared of him because of his big mouth and his big size, and that's what the enemy tries to do. He tries to intimidate us with his loud mouth, and he seems so big to us in our flesh. But you know how David saw him? He saw him through eyes of faith, that that giant was defying his God, and that giant was nothing before his God. See, it wasn't that David had any power or ability in himself to think that he could defeat him, but he knew who that giant was talking about, and he was talking about his God. Therefore, he had no fear when he picked up the stones and went out to face him. The giant laughed, and then he fell. I want you to know today, church, that whatever giant you may think you're facing today is nothing to our God. Nothing. And God's ready to knock him down. It takes our faith to engage him in what he wants to do, and God will do it. So whatever that giant is that you're facing today, it may be anxieties, it may be fears, it may be addictions, it may be anything. Whatever it is, God is bigger, and he wants to take that out of your life today. He is amazing. We are not a perfect church or perfect people. We are here because we know we have a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ. And God has called us into relationship with him through Jesus Christ. And therefore, God sees us as he sees Jesus. We were talking about that last week, remember, in the bullseye? That's how God sees us. When we say we're not a perfect church, we want you to know that we recognize that you may see us off the bullseye. But the Holy Spirit is leading us Christ centered in our life and to be more like him and so as we navigate that journey together be patient with one another maybe somebody's not as far as you are but don't look at them you're looking at jesus and you realize that you have a ways to go right all right well <clears throat> nothing's working for me back there either did you spend at least five minutes a day five days last week reading and listening to god's word all right did you share Jesus with someone this week? Did you spend time alone with God with no agenda? You know what the Holy Spirit's saying to you? Are you giving to God as he's asked that he give in your time, your talents, and your resources? Did you invite someone to church with you this week? Thank you. There's some cards that are here and in the back at the Welcome Center, uh, that desk that's out there. I guess it's not a Welcome Center anymore. It's just out there in the lobby. You can grab some of those to take them with you if you'd like, and uh, they're for us to do that. So as we uh, journey on uh, through this day and what God has planned for us, Jesus was teaching the disciples, and he told them that he had to leave them. So this is good news, but didn't sound good to them. When Jesus said, I'm, I'm going to leave, they had given up everything in their lives to follow him. So when he told them, I'm going to leave you, and not only am I going to leave you, I have to leave you, and it's better for you that I do. So like the confusion begins to enter their mind as to what's happening because they had given up everything to follow him, looking for the kingdom that he was going to establish for them. 
right? All right. John 16 says, but in fact, it is best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. That word advocate is very important for you and I. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. All right, so Jesus says, this is so important for me to leave because when I leave, I will send the advocate, the advocate, the Holy Spirit, paraclete, God with us, the presence. He is God. All right. So this is not only, uh, this is not the only place Jesus says that the advocate is coming and he doesn't just tell them this or that he's going to leave, but they fully did not understand. And the purpose of Jesus leaving did not make sense to them. Now, he had earlier taught them that he was there to change the way that things were in the world. But again, listen, the way the disciples heard is often the way we in our flesh hear. We think of him coming to change our world around us. And when we apply that in our mind and in our life, we think of the tangible things that are actually here. So we're praying and asking God and believing. Now, I'm not saying he won't do this. Just hear me through. Their interpretation was always immediately their surrounding life. Political change, financial change, material change, health change, everything like that. So they were looking at him for him to be the answer to those issues in their lives. And they all existed. They did have uh, political oppression. They did have struggles. There were physical oppressions. There was things that are going on around them in their nation that they were looking for God to change. Now, as we see this then, Jesus says this to them in John 12. Listen, church, this is so important for you and I. This is so cool. The time for judging this world has come. Jesus is making a proclamation here. The time for judging this world has come. Church, we're always looking out there for the judgment. We look at that as a future thing. Listen to what Jesus says here now in his proclamation. The time for judging this world has come when Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Here he goes, ready? And when I am lifted up from the earth... I will draw everyone to myself. He said this to indicate how he was going to die. The judgment of the world and of Satan came at the cross of Calvary. And Jesus said, it's time. See, <laughs> I love it. Church, please grab what he just said to us. He said that Satan, the ruler of this world, will be cast out. Jesus said, I have come to take what he has, what we gave him. See, when we sinned, we gave Satan the rulership of this world that God gave to us. See, God gave humans the ruling of this planet. He did when he created us. And when we sinned, we fell under Satan's power, Satan's authority, and he took our place in ruling this planet. Jesus says, I'm here to cast him out. I'm here to kick him off his throne. I'm here to change the way things have been 
He didn't say it this way, but I'm going to say it this way, and this is Dave's interpretation. It's not the Greek or anything else. I'm going to fix what you screwed up. Okay? That's what he's telling them. I'm here to change the whole system of what is going on in this planet. See, it was through Jesus' death on the cross that he took the authority of Satan away, paying the price for sin, allowing for us to have an escape, and he took, the Word of God tells us, the keys of sin, death, and hell away from Satan because he owned them because we gave them to him. So Jesus Christ himself, through his death on the cross, going into the grave, paid that price, took the authority of Satan away, which Jesus said he was going to do. Offering to all who would receive it a new way of life. Right here, right now. Not after. Right here, right now. Church, right here, right now. We got to stop thinking it's going to happen up there. He came to do it right here. Jesus said, I'm doing it. I'm casting him out. He will have no more authority over you. He's an outside force. He's a mouth. That's all. Church, he's a mouth. If you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior, the Word of God tells us there's something significant that Jesus did for us and that he planned to do and what God's plan was for us. This is why when we read that scripture in John 16, Jesus said, it is better for you that I go away. I've got to go because when I go, I'm going to send the advocate, the Holy Spirit, and things will be back in the right order in your relationship with God. So the Holy Spirit would come and complete the trifecta of God's redemptive plan for the world. Sin, death, conquered. Indwelling presence of God, restored. See, John 14. This is verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. This is Jesus speaking. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now listen, it's really important for us to grab all of this and understand it. Jesus, when he was baptized, was filled with the Holy Spirit. That happened prior to Pentecost because Jesus was the only sinless human since Adam. He was not born of a man. He was born of a woman in the virgin birth when the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and God himself planted himself in her womb. Fully flesh, fully human, fully perfect in God's original plan. Now listen, because it's so important here. When Jesus is baptized, we see in God's word that the Holy Spirit came down from heaven and filled him. It's really important for us to know this. See, because in his flesh, he was human like you and I, but the Holy Spirit came and filled him. Now Jesus tells the disciples, he's here, he's living with you. Jesus said, he's here, he's here. He's here with you. Jesus was saying, I'm living with you. The Holy Spirit is present. He's going to be in you. It's coming for you too. <laughs> so, Jesus not only came and paid the price for sin by his death, but in his resurrection, he defeated death 
and through this created the opportunity for the Holy Spirit to live within the believer. So, this would restore, please understand this correctly, the full relationship that God desired for us to have in the beginning. Now, there is sin still on the planet. There is a world that is not following Jesus. All understood. That's why he says in the end, I'm going to wipe all that out too. But what God's telling us is this relationship that he has for you and I has been accomplished through Jesus Christ, through his death, through his resurrection, and through the sending of the Holy Spirit. Now you and I can have that love relationship that God created us for in the very beginning. Now this past Thursday, May 13th, was Ascension Day. This is 40 days after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now we're looking back in history, not future. They were living in the moment. Jesus came back from the grave, revealed himself to them on several occasions, and on the 40th day, he ascended into heaven. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time, and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Okay, it's important for us to get this. Because Jesus is, keeps coming back to him, and he's got one message. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God. And Jesus is always pointing them towards the kingdom of God. Not earthly kingdoms, the kingdom of God. God's plan. All of us to be in a love relationship, love being what we were talking about a few weeks ago, not the thoughts of this world, but he's saying a love relationship with him. Many of us get distracted by the things that are going on. What's happening physically, what's happening politically, on our, not only our relationship with God, but the kingdom of God as a whole. So Jesus in his teaching called to his followers to understand how important it is that we keep the proper focus and keep directed in what God's trying to do in our life. In Matthew 6... Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. All right, so Jesus is saying, look guys, we gotta continue to look towards the kingdom of God and not the kingdom of this world. Going back to Acts chapter one. Rereading the verses, here you go. During the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive, and he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Now, do you remember what the disciples' response to that was? Listen, it's in Acts 1, verse 6. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? See, Jesus kept teaching them. I mean, they are writing this to us to see what he was talking about all the time. He talked to them about the kingdom of God. And even through all this stuff, they continue to ask Jesus, is it time for you to restore our kingdom? Do you see where their mind and their heart and their life was at? It was still about what's happening now in my life here today on this planet in my world. And so they're asking him to change what's happening in their world right now. The Church of Jesus Christ in the United States of America has lost focus of the kingdom of God 
and we have been focusing on the kingdom of ourselves. And I am not saying we shouldn't pray for our nation. Absolutely, we're instructed to. But church, we've lost our focus. The church itself has lost its focus long before this political environment we're living in. We have been living for this world and asking God to bless these things in this world and expand our kingdom. Do you remember how, if you've been around the church for a while, the prayer of Jabez went around a little book. You know, somebody found that little nugget in Judges. You know, expand my kingdom. Wow, everybody should pray that so God gives us more stuff. Right? No, I'm serious. And so we jump on that bandwagon. We have, I'm, I'm saying this the right way. I hope you guys hear this. You will, listen. Those guys on TV, different ones you hear on the radio, and they're talking about how God wants to bless you in your kingdom. This was the exact focus the, the disciples had because what they were looking for is a God who would do what they wanted. And God wanted a people that would do what he wanted. And therein came the conflict. See, what sin birthed, please hear this, what sin birthed was us taking charge of our kingdom. We'll do it our way, not your way. God had already established the rules for his kingdom and for that relationship. You can have all this, but don't do that one thing. Well, I think we're going to do the one thing. Right? That's what happened. And so now it became about us. So you see what's happening here is the flesh driven by sin, even in the disciples after following Jesus for three and a half years of his life, watching him die, seeing him resurrected, are still living in their flesh. Like, you're going to do something now about our world. It's messed up. You need to fix it. We want to reign. Give us places of authority. Give us stuff. Jesus had already told them the verses I read to you. He's like, store it up in heaven. It's all going to fall apart down here. Everything's going to fall apart. If you're older, and I'm not going to put a number on that, but if you're older, you know that as you watch things that are like, uh, we'll use a vehicle, for example. Um, I like, I'm from the Detroit Motor City area, so I like cars. And, um, you know, I, I like new cars. I don't, I'm not, classic cars are okay, but I like the new ones. So I'd go to the Detroit Auto Show every year. My wife and I would go. I love looking at them. I love the smell of a new car. I like being around that and all that stuff. So it was very cool. So there's like the new things, and I really like all the new stuff. I do. I like all that. So I'm looking at these new cars, and then as my life progresses, I can remember looking at this vehicle saying, man, that is awesome. It's so cool, unique, and new. And now it's the one the poor people drive. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? How there's a transition that happens where now you see it's the one that is, is chugging along the road and it's not passing emissions and it's falling apart. At one time when I looked at that, I said, that is the coolest vehicle I've ever seen. And now it's like, I feel sorry for them. <laughs> you see what I mean? Like how we look at things in this world in the temporary and how we view them. And Jesus is saying, you know, we've got to start to get a kingdom view. Not, it's nothing wrong with liking stuff. But see, the problem was, is they were like, fix this all right now. 
Yeah. God, we need you to do something. Jesus, please restore our kingdom. Do what we're asking you to do. Our kingdom is our focus. And the kingdom of God was Jesus' focus. And he continuously did this, even through the resurrection. Now, Jesus wasn't aimlessly teaching. He knew they were ignorant. He knew, right? But he also knew that when the Holy Spirit would come, remember the, the verse we read? That he would reveal truth to them. You're going to begin to see life differently when God is in you. When the Holy Spirit comes, you're going to begin to see things differently. You're going to begin to live life differently. You're going to begin to see through the eyes of God because the Holy Spirit will dwell within you. Acts 1, continuing the reading, after they ask about the kingdom, he replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But, this is one of those awesome moments when he says, but, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witness, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Now listen, before I read the rest of that, you see again where Jesus is taking them. Like I, I want you to, this is Jesus talking to them. There's coming a moment where you're going to see different. You're no longer going to be looking like, when are you going to do it, God? Instead, you're going to be doing it. Church, do you see how many of us have lost the perspective of Jesus' message? Because we're still looking out there for that future day, the return of Christ. It's coming, don't misunderstand me. And we need to keep an eye there. But what we need to see is what he is asking us in this moment to do with our lives for his kingdom. See, it's right there. After saying this, he was taken up into the cloud where they were watching. And they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. It's going to happen, all right? That's what they tell him. But stop looking up there and start doing what he just told you to do. Hello. Maybe we ought to put that on YouTube and send it around to everybody. <laughs> Just a thought. Okay, so, <laughs> sorry. All right, so, well, I'm not sorry, but let's focus on what he's saying to us. The coming, the coming Holy Spirit was going to fill them with power to be witnesses about Jesus, the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. You're going to be witnesses to who I am, to this world it is the kingdom of God. What is that kingdom? The relationship that he has restored with the Father. See, we lose, we don't lose sight, but we gain perspective on what life is all about when we are filled with the Holy Spirit and we begin to see life through the lens of God. So what is happening is, I should have brought my little box and the target up here. See, with Jesus in the center and God calling us into Christ like this. And as we're looking at that, that was from last week. Um, so as we look at that, the Holy Spirit is keeping our eyes focused on Christ. 
that Christ-likeness as a witness. And as we look at him, the things that are around us become less and less important and valuable. I mean, life has to happen. It does. You got to go to work. I'm sorry, it's not like you just check out and it's all over and it's all about him and you just stand there. We got to do stuff in this world. That's part of the consequences of our sin is that God said you're going to have to work for a living now. Before that, see, God provided. We screwed that up. That's why we're out there running around in this world trying to make ends meet all the time. Sin did that. In the beginning, God said, you just trust me, I'll take care of you. So do you know that Jesus has called us into that same relationship, right? Trust me and I'll take care of you. Work with me. Do what I'm asking you to do. I'll watch over you. I'll keep you. He says, the world's pushing and running after stuff. You just keep your eyes on me. Let's walk this journey together. We can be content in whatever's going on because God has us. So, here we are. This last Thursday, May 13th, was the Ascension Day. That was the day that followed our celebration of the resurrection and Easter in this calendar year of 2021. What is happening here is this is this uh, no man's land, so to speak, absence of Christ's time from Ascension Day to the day of Pentecost. They had been visited by Jesus. He gave them messages. They watch him leave. They say he's coming again. Now wait for the promise, the power, the presence. They didn't know when it was coming. You and I do. It came on Pentecost, the feast that God established way back there in the law of Moses. God's incredible plan of relationship with his people was coming to be, was coming to pass. It was happening in the moment. Not out there, right here. Jesus says, wait. Whenever we hear that word, <clears throat> whenever I hear that word, I have lots of illustrations in my life to show you how I didn't, how I didn't want to, how I waited reluctantly, how I waited frustrated, how I waited impatient. I have all that. Like, wait. All right, God, I'm waiting. And I put him on a clock as I wait. And whatever distance I wait, I think is good. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> now, some days I can wait for two, three minutes. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, yes, but it's true. You know what I mean? And he's like, just wait. So they had no, like, we have this advantage, man. We're looking back. God has given us this whole picture of his redemptive plan. Church, we are without excuse because God showed us. They were still worried about what was happening in their life, unknown future, not knowing when the promise would come, just hoping that it would. And 10 days later, gathering together for a festival, celebrating the old ways, God shows up in the room and inside of them. <laughs> okay, so we're doing something a little bit different this week. And as we do, we're going to be looking towards 
next Sunday in Pentecost because next Sunday is the day of Pentecost 2021. What Jesus did was this. He, God's amazing. I love how he sets us up in a good way, I mean, to see and understand stuff. Because, see, before he was lifted up, he taught that he would be lifted. That death, he would call all humanity towards himself. There is a universal call of God. It would come and convict the world of sin. There's a universal knowledge. There is a God. Now, there's some confusion as to who he is. No doubt about that. But there is a universal knowledge. There is a God. There's never been a people found that doesn't worship something. Church, that's in us. Holy Spirit is calling us to Jesus. Okay, so we know that, right? It's right there in Scripture. We know what it says. It's right there. So now as we look towards that day, Jesus said this. As he gathered them together in the upper room, for the last time he would celebrate the Passover, Old Testament celebration feast, that marked God's deliverance from them from bondage into his people. Again, man, God's amazing. So here we go. They come together this day, getting ready for what they do not understand but his death. They come together in the upper room, and Jesus says, we're going to do something. I'm going to celebrate the Passover with you, but it's going to be the last time I do this until we celebrate it anew in the kingdom of heaven. They're having that dinner together, and Jesus says something to them. Like, I'm going to read this. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread, and he gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup of wine and supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink of it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Right? Okay, so he's saying we're remembering something that has been done for us that instituted the kingdom of God knowing that this world is not our home. There's something more coming. The final realization of our salvation is yet coming. But the reality of the relationship with God is now present and available. And it's because of Jesus. So as we understand that, church, knowing what Jesus taught, and we share together in this communion, we're looking back to the cross, recognizing that Jesus, I started this before the service because last time I had such a hard time with these things. So if you have a kid sitting by, you can let them have it. They'll open it for you. He's looking at the cross, right? This is where it's at. This is what happened. Jesus says, I'm doing this because the blood of the new covenant is coming. The old way won't work. It didn't work. The new way is going to happen, and it's going to make it real. God's incredible plan. So in celebrating communion, the Lord's Supper, Eucharist, whatever name you want to put on it, we announce not only the death of Christ, but the coming of our Lord and his kingdom. Therefore, today, as we prepare ourselves for communion together, we do this in anticipation of Pentecost and the celebration that will come next week as we in the church celebrate the presence of our amazing God. Now, 
Some of you may have already taken it. Totally fine. I'm not telling you not to or you should have. I didn't give you any instructions, so you're good. But I do want to read some scriptures to you that I do every time we read. Anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and shaking the cup. For if you eat the bread or drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you're eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are weak and sick, and some of you have even died. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by God in this way. So you see, this communion thing isn't something we just flippantly do as a religious practice. See what this is, and Jesus himself told us that it is a remembrance. Now, I know that some of us have been taught different things about communion, like this becomes the body and the blood of Christ and all that, but that's not biblically accurate. It's not. Jesus said, as often to do this, do this in remembrance of me. It's a memorial moment where we stop and understand what Christ did for us. That it was his body paid the price for you and I. His blood paid the price for you and I. And we recognize that and we understand that by receiving this, we're saying, God, I know you did this for me. I know that there's no way I can be forgiven and stand in your presence without the blood of Christ. Therefore, the word of God tells us to examine ourselves and make sure that our heart is right with him. But we have to examine ourselves. I am so thankful to God today, church, that it's not a matter of me evaluating me. The Holy Spirit does it for us because we are blessed to be on this side of Pentecost. As children of God, God dwells within us, and the Holy Spirit himself reveals, like, hey, get this right. This is why we're called to examine ourselves. This is written in 1 Corinthians after Pentecost, as the Apostle Paul writes to the church, say, you guys need to step back for a moment. You're just doing this, and you're screwing it all up, and you're getting sick, and some of you are dying because you're not even paying attention to what you're doing not about you it's about him and your relationship with him and this is what he was teaching god the holy spirit is revealing to the church like hey this is not some small thing you're doing here this is a moment that we recognize that we are not our own we were bought at a price and it was a great price because god himself had to die for us to have a relationship with him come on that is crazy that's not something we take for granted or just kind of blow over. Drink a little juice, eat some bread, and go on with life? No. Understanding that this is the price he paid so that we could enter into a relationship with him that causes me to live differently than I was before. If the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the indwelling Holy Spirit doesn't change me, then what good is it? I mean, I was a broken sinner before. If that's all I am after, then I don't see the point. See, I'm changed. A new relationship. Jesus said he came to cast out Satan. Satan no longer my God. Prior to Jesus, he was. He was yours too before Jesus. And if you don't know have Jesus in your heart, he still is. People don't want to hear that, but that's the truth. You're in or out. You've accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. You must pause to examine yourself. Remember when we tell you at the beginning, we're not a perfect church, perfect people. Don't look around. It's not about what they look like. It's looking here and saying, God, as we look to him, are we all right? 
Holy Spirit, what needs to change? What, am I, what are you talking to me about? What do I need to surrender? What is it? I surrender. I think we were singing about that. I surrender. What's distracting you or keeping you? What is it, church? What's keeping us from that relationship that God intends for us? We examine ourselves now. We're just going to wait for a few moments before him. Holy Spirit, is there anything between us and you, Almighty God, that you want to put your finger on for us to confess, repent, and get right with you? On the night that you were betrayed, Lord, you took that bread and you lifted it up and you gave thanks. And oh God, we want to say thank you. Thank you, God. This was impossible without you. And so we take this bread, and as Jesus broke and gave it to us, and he said, take and eat, this is my body which is broken for you. We receive it, God, understanding that you suffered for our sin. Thank you, Lord. And then he took the cup, and he blessed it. God blessed us. For it symbolizes the blood of Christ. It was real blood that shed for my sins. For without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for what you did for us and what you offered to us in the giving of new life. We receive the cup together. We use juice so that those of you that have had issues in your past with things, you know, that's just juice. There's nothing else there. We do that on purpose for us. Now, church, the very last thing we're going to do before we leave here today, well, (laughs) maybe it's not the last thing we do. Thank you, God. (laughs) Father, as we look at ourselves, we know that we're not worth it you see our worthiness because of your love for us and so God thank you for seeing us worth saving (laughs) God only you could see us worth dying for thank you thank you those were our first two action steps and my final one is church I'm asking you to join with me in making Pentecost next Sunday focus of our prayer this week asking for God to give us clear understanding of his kingdom and what the indwelling Holy Spirit means to us I'm going to encourage you I'm challenging us church all of us to not look at theologies or people's teachings about the Holy Spirit please I'm asking you pray read what God's word says about it read Acts chapter 2 read that account But read it through a lens that doesn't focus on what you've been taught about it. Ask God to reveal to you what he was teaching us through that moment and what he made available to us. Let's make that a focus throughout this week. As we come back together next Sunday to celebrate Pentecost, we expect the power of the Holy Spirit to be real. 
as we navigate through this week with him, with our focus on the kingdom of God. Amen? Would you stand with me? It is through the blood of Christ, the resurrected Savior, our Lord, that we have a relationship with the Father. If you do not have one, he's offering it to you today. Please make sure that you do that. And if you are right with God because of Jesus Christ today, you are united together with the family of God, and it's an amazing family. It is. And it's going to be an amazing celebration when the whole family assembles before the throne of God. Yeah, an amazing gathering. Thank you, Father. God, we just want to say thank you, that's all. God, in Jesus' name, we ask for focus and clarity as we seek to know you fuller. <laughs> Lord, as we prepare ourselves and as you're leading us towards that day of celebration next Sunday, God, we don't even know what yet planned, but we're excited with anticipation as you lead us. It's all about your kingdom. It's all about your glory. Help us to move in the power of the Holy Spirit as your witnesses this week in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed, church. God bless you. Have an amazing day with him. Amen.